0: From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Joining me today, Seth Baron. Hey, Seth. Hey, Pat. How are you? The new book is the—I uh, it, believe it's called *The Death of New York* or *The Fall of New York*. The last days of New York. The last days of New York. But it's not coming out until May. Well, you guys will have to get your pre-order your copy. You can and, order uh, them. Yeah, they. I'm, I'm stoked for your fucking book. I'm so anyway. is,
1: I'm so pleased that you ordered a copy.
0: I I'm, I might have been one of the first. I, you were the first. I was the first to order a copy.
1: But there's a not, another listener of the show ordered one.
0: That's great. And, and everybody, a friend of mine should order one because you know what it's uh, your writing is is uh, the reason we're talking now i I wrote to tell you how much i enjoyed an article that you That's wrote true and uh we ended up doing this uh, show together a bunch and it was then, a real
1: meat cute
0: it was <laughs> it was so cute i've got that video where our first which never aired of us talking on crime report oh on on, on, on compound we recorded an interview uh you know I forget We were probably Talking about the We should watch that I should put that On the Patreon In fact I will I'll put that on the Patreon You'll be seeing it soon That first uh, The first time we sat And talked Wow Go to Patreon.com Slash Pat Dixon NYC And you have to go to that You can't search for it I'm shadow banned Patreon.com Slash Pat Dixon NYC yeah.
1: This is a really Beautiful moment For all of us Yeah Come and just gather around Happy Kwanzaa, New York City! Kwanzaa, everybody. It's my first Kwanzaa experience, it's really, really cold, but. I wanna be very clear, I, I met a young woman named Shirlane and her family really honored the holiday. They a great care to explain the, the power and the essence of what Kwanzaa is all about. And I was very deeply moved because the values of Kwanzaa are powerful. To me, I felt a sense of power in the Kwanzaa. It was so powerful, I felt powerful.
0: Most people who visit New York now have to quarantine for three days and then prove they're negative for COVID-19 before they are free to go about their business, according to the governor now. Thank goodness. The strict new mandate... Exempts New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania residents. Travelers must show proof of a negative test taken within three days of arriving in the Empire State, must also quarantine for three more days and get a new COVID 19 test on the fourth. So enjoy your New York City vacation, everybody. Please come to the city.
1: They're making it very uh, easy and welcoming to come here. You know what I was thinking? It's interesting. Like, okay, so they exempt New Jersey. Connecticut and Pennsylvania, I guess, you know, those are neighboring states. Yeah, they're kind of on the same page. But there's other neighboring states, like why not Vermont? I mean, Vermont has lower case rates than we do. I don't know. Why not? Doesn't Massachusetts border um, New York, too?
0: I'm not sure. But it seems like Connecticut and New Jersey always do everything that Cuomo tells them to. They're kind of like his yes men. Kind of. So maybe that has something to do with it. Could be. We had uh, Governor Cuomo on a crime report this past Thursday by phone. Here's some of that.
2: You know, I am going to be very bored if this vaccine actually starts curing people. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself uh, without the coronavirus. Uh, it's really been a godsend for me Uh
0: Soul. Maybe you should consider writing another book, you know, and only this time tell the truth about how you murdered, uh, you know, thousands of old people.
2: Well, they were on my naughty list, much like Santa Claus. Uh, I have a good list and a bad list, and mm-hmm. they did... You are right. The elderly did get a giant lump of coal for for Christmas, they, an early Christmas present this year from
0: me. So didn't they though? Lump of COVID. Uh, you know, uh, you you have so much to answer for. Why were you such a bitch uh, when Trump uh, was? Vac- you thought you would need all these thirty thousand ventilators. I mean, don't you think you were kind of uh, you know hysterical at that moment?
2: Well, optics are important. Uh, I had to make it look like. I was doing my job, and he was not doing his. Of course. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, with my my little brother, Fredo, in the media, it was a little easy to, uh, to uh, display that narrative, let's just say.
0: I guess, but uh, yeah, by the way, it's uh, is, isn't that supposedly an anti-Italian slur? I mean, isn't that what, what your uh, little brother claimed, that that's why he's supposed to be offended by Fredo?
2: Well, to, to be fair... Uh, the Cuomo's are I've, we've been described, uh, I think, aptly as Olive Garden Italians. <laughs> uh, it might have been a wise man that was on the show. Uh, but you're always right talk- now, actually,
0: <laughs> <they said that. laughs> But you're always talking about meatballs and and uh, uh, and uh, you know gabagoo,
2: you know. Look, I have to look human uh, sometimes and try to appeal, but, uh, you know, I like to eat. I also like uh, to take female staffers and have them tie chains to my nipple rings and uh, lead me around the room like the bad little piggy I am. Wow. Uh But apparently some people take issue with that, some she, her people take issue with that so you know who's to say you know
0: i, I think we have a, 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 a certainly a name for this uh character now it's honest cuomo well <laughs> forthcoming cuomo say, well
2: this is the one
1: show and that's the way that went that's great that he came on the show i
0: know i was, I was really stoked did you hear his conversation with some of the uh I don't know. I guess uh, members of the Jewish community who 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 talked with him about his response to to COVID in New York City. No, what did he say? He said this is this is not driven by science. He goes, this is a fear driven response. Good. And, I mean, I, it, was, it was startling Good. to hear him say that. You have heard Good. that
1: conversation? No. He said he. That's what his re, he said. Our response
0: is fear driven. He said this. Yeah. He he said. Well, I. Yes, but he was talking about the people going, oh my God, COVID, and then therefore he had to shut down stuff in the Jewish community.
1: Because of fear. Yes. That's good. Well, I'm glad that the um, state of New York... Is basing its decisions on the science of fear. And the most fearful people in the community (laughs) at that. yeah, That's who decides. I mean, why
0: not? They are the ones who uh, need to be pacified. So now... Governor's choice. uh, We have pandemic porch pirates, a new breed with a new MO, more brazen and pickier, ripping open packages, grabbing the priciest stuff, leaving the boxes and bubble wrap behind even. So they're not even taking the whole package now. When they steal them off of your porch... Out of your uh, lobby or wherever your mailbox is, Adelaide Spence is a victim, and uh, they, they list a few more victims here in the New York Post from where I read this story. Thousands of other New Yorkers across the city had their deliveries either picked over or stolen outright, uh, even when they're working from home. And thieves are hitting most often, at least anecdotally, in Manhattan's well-to-do neighborhoods. That makes sense in the Upper It would side, make sense
1: to hit the uh, places where people have money.
0: Yeah, where they're ordering things that aren't, I don't know, what... What somebody who's super broke orders.
1: Right, what are they going to be ordering? <laughs>
0: from Amazon. That happened to me once. Uh, I
1: ordered some socks or something and um, I went outside and it was all ripped open and they had taken the socks. My God,
0: that was some poor homeless person who needed those socks, I'm sure. I guess so. Every single neighborhood, says a 49-year-old a gentleman by the name of Chucid, an interior designer, lives in Fort Greene. That's in Brooklyn, right? Violent Brooklyn? Yes, it is. Uh, anyway, every single person I talk to is uh talking about their packages getting stolen so be careful with your packages these are just poor jobless people you know maybe order a package specifically for what somebody might want to steal Yeah, that's a thought or
1: order a bomb
0: yeah think of somebody other than yourself for a change just once we uh have all kinds of of crime in new york city now and uh that's sort of what the book is about isn't it uh the uh the last days in new york are you talking you mentioned it i'm sure well
1: my book is yes, it, it it details crime, but it's not just about crime. it's about it's about how de Blasio and the progressive ascendancy, uh, which came to power in around two thousand thirteen fourteen, um basically how they set the stage for the ruination of our city uh policy wise, right uh, in terms of criminal justice, public safety homelessness, education, budgeting. So I I explain how they hollowed out the city to the extent that um, when a crisis hit, like the pandemic, everything uh, was set to fall apart. Mm. Uh, And I sort of argue that, you know, maybe different leadership might have prepared us better and uh, kept us more resilient.
0: What do you think uh, was the level of intent in terms of hollowing it out, was that just a byproduct, or is that a, of their, you know, mismanagement, or was well, that what they there's wanted? A, there's
1: a way in which you can look at De Blasio, and every, you know, just from the residents' point of view, from the average person's point of view, De Blasio is a total disaster. He's a failure. But that's that's looking at it in a very limited way. Um, if you look at it from his perspective, and from the perspective of his backers. He's done everything he was supposed to do. He was a, he's been a great mayor. He's been a total success. Uh, if you're in the teachers' union, well, he increased your he gave you a, a, a first thing he did when he came in was to give you a retroactive raise that was so fat that they had to put it off for like they had to pay it out over seven years so they wouldn't bankrupt the city all at once.
0: <laughs> jeez. I was you know, aware if that.
1: you're a city worker. You're happy if you're a developer or if you're a, say, if you run a homeless services agency in the Bronx and you kind of wanted to be able to bill the city just for millions of dollars of, you know, unaccounted for expenses. Wow. then Then you think he's done a good job. If you're a consultant or a real estate developer. And these are
0: the things that he said he would do. He would make sure that this money got to who needs it, which are people in the Bronx running <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Right. So he said he did, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So,
1: you know, from, from that perspective, he's done a great job. So you just have to look at it. It's just a question of uh, of um which side you're looking at it from. Yeah, sure, for 95% of the city, he's done a shitty job. But from a few people, he's done a great job. And those are the people he was elected to represent.
0: I see what you mean. That's probably about how many of the city voted for him, I'm sure. Uh, maybe not them in particular. But let me ask you a question about the homeless. The homelessness is just soared under de Blasio. And we, you always think of homelessness as something that just happens. Uh, but is there some kind of a policy choice that he made or a decision or uh, anything that, that you could point to to say this is what sort of boosted that homeless population
1: you know that's hard to say you know i think they've done a pretty good job letting people out of jail a lot of those people may be homeless Mm -hmm. i mean homelessness has gone up under de blasio yes it hasn't really exploded but it just no not necessarily um it just seems that way or maybe it has you know i i I I mean, if you look at the numbers, it doesn't really suggest that it's, I mean, it's
0: gone up some. I suppose percentages and whole numbers, they kind of like you could tell any story that you want with numbers. I know I see a lot more homeless people around and they seem crazier. And it makes me wonder, are these the people that used to in Bloomberg's day get locked up, processed, you know, something happened to them? There might have been, I think that that Bloomberg had a program for a while to buy them a bus ticket or a plane ticket one way if they had some place to go. I don't think that's something that de Blasio would do. They
1: still do that. Uh, not as much as they probably could. Um, yeah. They used to lock people up more. They used to uh, try to force people into treatment to take their medicine, things like that. Yes, yes. Which they've underused that. They've Megan's underused law? Ma- um, Kendra's, Kendra's law. Kendra's law, right. Kendra's law. Uh, yeah, they underuse that. That's a tool at their disposal. That it's they can use. It's a tool at their disposal. And they won't. Um, basically, yes. And the poli- I guess maybe the police allow people to just, you know, hang out a lot more. And and the hotels are
0: filled with homeless people now. There's well, really not a strong. I mean, there's there's over a hundred hotels in New York City that have homeless people living in them, and well, well over a hundred. And, and you think like, what's the incentive to not be homeless if you get to stay in a nice hotel room.
1: Well, that's another problem. The the pandemic has enabled advocates for expanded services and advocates of all across the entire spectrum of, you know, of, of government to push all of their favored policies. So for instance, the minute the pandemic broke, they said, we have to let everybody out of jail. Like, it's unconscionable to have anybody in jail. So, yes, they did. You know, if you look at what the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice says, they they, they kind of brag. They're like, the, the jail population has dropped twenty dropped 25 or 28% in a month. Yeah, they don't ever say really the, low. Uh,
0: the convict population <laughs> and the general population has increased by a lot.
1: Right. Or so, should... I mean, it would be one thing to brag about declining jail numbers if crime were declining, but crime's going up. So... <laughs> You know, it's a little um Which is remarkable considering how many things have been decriminalized. But they want you know, they had a goal of getting people out of jail. So COVID was very convenient. Right. Similarly, right. they want they want to get people out of congregate housing, like shelters, uh and get every everyone um, you know, an apartment. So to their mind, getting everyone into a hotel room, well, that's a good step towards getting them into an apartment. Okay. So putting thousands of people into hotel rooms and then suing so they can't be moved out, mm. you know. People
0: do not like it when it's in their neighborhood, for sure. No, they don't. And especially when it's uh, a neighborhood with a lot of kids, like on the Upper West Side. People but similarly,
1: have- the hotel industry has been a big supporter of de Blasio. If you, if you recall, they were the first, they were the only union that backed him for president. <laughs> and the hotel well, owners give him a lot of
0: money. They must have liked his Airbnb policies yeah. in New York. Yeah, so...
1: Because uh, people
0: were paying their rent with Airbnb money, making a a profit. Yes. You had a whole industry of, not industry, but a, like sort of a sub-underground kind of, you know, uh, cash-in-pocket uh, subletting system. Sure, which, you know, is illegal. And sometimes bad things, I guess, could happen. I mean, it's not your property to rent on one hand. It's but- kind of
1: not. Um and you, but could, you are paying for it. You the, are paying for it, but your lease does not give you the right to to, to do whatever you want. Usually. It. Yeah. yeah. And sub- and that makes sense. Sure. Look, the hotel industry is happy to have the city pay filling up its hotel rooms with homeless people. Isn't that something? A couple hundred dollars a night or yeah, whatever.
0: They're they're full during a pandemic some of them.
1: Yeah. So they're okay
0: with it. Anybody who doesn't go along with that, I assume, is uh, mostly empty. Because again, you know, it's not like they're rolling out the red carpet here for people to visit the city. No,
1: no, they're not. And there's nothing
0: to do once you get here, anyway. There's no theater. There's no comedy clubs. There's no life. There's it's it's. Uh, we went from the city that never sleeps to the city that won't wake up.
1: Uh, it's a problem. I mean, we used to have 63, 65 million tourists a year. Each yeah. of them coming here, dropping a few thousand bucks. I mean, that's like huge dough
0: yeah having the time of
1: their life tons of people are out of work
0: yeah everybody who entertains those people are out of work and and everybody who drive. i mean the cab drivers people who drive
1: them around obviously the you know it's uh it's amazing when you start to think about how deep the misery like midtown coffee carts like people who sell coffee in danish in the morning yeah those F- are that's that's done rough taxi drivers done waiters done <laughs> it's, it's ushers, even hurting uber done
0: yeah ushers Ushers, th- A probably unionized job the ushers i'm sure there's a not oh, part Broadway of the and stuff? Yeah. yeah
1: sure mm-hmm. uh people who sell candy at the movie theater done mm-hmm. uh people who clean office buildings done done yeah nobody um, dirtying
0: those up anymore it's
1: it's pretty bad
0: yeah it is it, it, it touches everybody it really does and comedians it touches among the worst because the comedy clubs were not only uh their work but it was also sort of a home away from home It was where you saw anybody uh, most of your social life as a stand-up was going to happen in a comedy club it's the kind of place you stop off on the way home from another com- comedy club you know to have a drink or whatever and it, They're never coming back. That'll never be the same. Little stand-up shows are around. No, there's no way. First of all, the the clubs themselves were already running, you know, like say there's 120 seats in a comedy club. That's a decent sized New York City comedy club. You know, what are you going to run a quarter of that? 30 people? It's like, you know, and then if people are sitting around in masks, what it is, and they've done the same thing with the churches. I think they don't want people, you know, of any to be able to speak to a group of people for any amount of time. I think that that is cuz they've really keyed in on you can't sell tickets to a thing. You can't have live entertainment of that sort. You have to go around it by saying like there's just some funny people here while you have dinner. That's strange if if this pops up, but you can't sell tickets to it. What do you think the goal is? You know, obedience with all of the dictates, all of the pronouncements and orders and I think that that is a threat to that when you look at churches They often, they have a higher authority than the mayor, you know, and I think they want to be the ultimate authority.
1: Do you think it, do you believe in the great reset? The uh, great leap forward? It's kind of like that. You know, like there's this guy, this um, Cardinal Vingano, he wrote this letter to Trump. Now this guy, he's like a huge cardinal in the the Vatican, and he was the, the papal... Nuncio to the United States, right? He was the, the Vatican's ambassador this to is the United and he has this thing. He's like, okay, he said we have to oppose the Great Reset, and this is basically like Bill Gates and like the World Economic Forum, that the whole plan is to force everybody to take like to get like, um, the, okay, in exchange for having a universal income, and we'll take care of every take care of you everybody has to give all their data biometric data get health passports get vaccinated yeah uh, it's just- turn over all freedom and liberty over to the um to this giant super state i mean it sounds a little crazy i'm just wondering if that's i don't know if it
0: is or not i mean like if you look at the the actual results of everything what do we have people now um, saying like you can't come into new york without a test you're getting data there you have you know their name you know where they've been you know where they're from you none of these things used to be monitored and plus you have these medical tests that you have to take and quarantine it's an increased control and so it's kind of like every like china for everyone sooner or later they want, yeah, worldwide China. They have a lot of control over their, you know, they can pull the plug on the internet the way that Mark Zuckerberg and uh, and Jack uh, Dorsey, you know, as they talk to Congress and stuff like that. They have no fear of, of anything necessarily, and it's it's not going to be just the government. It's like this is this comes from you know a more devious force. If you, if you were
1: invited to testify before Congress. Would you take ayahuasca right before? <laughs> Did he
0: do that? I don't know that he. I mean, that like beard, a, man. Come with, on,
1: the beard is one thing, but the nose ring.
0: Oh, I, Jesus. how many guys do
1: you know who have a nose
0: ring? I very few anymore. Used to be a ton. You'd see a ton of fucking dudes, like, with you know, yeah, like in the '90s and shit. People were into uh, the Primus and stuff like that, okay. you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. Yeah, that was it was pretty weird. <laughs> Studies in contrast, him and Zuckerberg. Well, thanks for joining me, man. Oh, I appreciate sure. it. I guess you know, we kind
1: of went went a little bit uh, far
0: afield. Well, we were talking about exactly what we want to talk about. I guess about, so. What's going on in New York City. Yeah. And, and the world. And the world. And the mayor. And the book, which is called The Last Days of New York.
1: Yes. yes. Coming out in May. Coming so out in I'll, May. Hopefully, I'll Just be on the you show guys again. Know. You think, you I'll know. come back to... This is just wetting your appetite.
0: But they can pre-order it on Amazon right now. And um, you know what? Follow the link on my website, crimereport.nyc. crimereport.nyc for that link. And, you know, go to patreon.com slash patdixonnyc for that video. All right. Thanks for being here again, Seth. Thank you, Pat. Orders of protection are, are not uh, very protective either, it seems. You know, I mean, like, even if you do comply with it as you're supposed to, you know, and and managed it. It seems like a lot of times these are these are gotten by women who later decide I, that they still want to fuck this guy. Yeah, I don't know if it's
3: Stockholm syndrome or whatever it is, but there's a reason why you should stay away from your ex boyfriend. Um, oh. He's been beating you or whatever. That's usually an indication that somebody you should stay away from. And when that person is arrested and the courts issue
0: the order of protection. They give it to you for a reason, and the guy, for, for his part, now obviously, if you're if you come swinging a machete, you, you don't you're not a reasonable person to begin with. But if somebody gets an order of protection against you, I think once law enforcement is involved, you really got to call that relationship off.
3: I've explained this to many people over the years that were you know when I get involved in domestic violence incidents, like, do you understand that once somebody lays their hands on you? There's no going back. They're gonna do it again. Yeah. When, they, when they cross that line and raise their hands, they are going
0: to hit you again. Yeah. Well, and harder next time. And and, and, and repeatedly. Yeah. And
3: but I love him. Oh, but you don't understand.
1: Right. I don't understand.
3: I'm the one standing here in a police uniform and your boyfriend's out in the hallway in cuffs. Maybe you're the one not getting the message. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm just giving you the benefit of my experience, that if somebody is abusing you, they generally are not going to stop, and you need to end this relationship. You know, Pat, this is, on a serious note, this is an issue that goes across all socioeconomic... uh, It doesn't matter. Yeah. I've been in apartments on Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue dealing with the same issues that this guy... And that this family was dealing with in, in Bedford-Stuyvesant.
0: They just say it different, right? It's like, hey, you know, this he, he raised his hand to me in anger. <laughs> I always imagine a wealthy dowager, like from the, the Marx Brothers movies, you know, it's like, don't you, don't you hurt that child. Hortense. <laughs> Now, dear. And how many times do you see where it's going the other way? A guy calls the police on a woman. It's very rare that a guy will do that because, you know, is no, embarrassed. They do. It's, it's also good to get the get that call in before she says that you did some shit.
2: Oh, Some yeah. women will do
0: that. I had one woman who, who, it was great at first, then it was all shitty. And I couldn't get rid of her. And she was, like, with me constantly. All her shit was in my trunk, okay? So imagine that. And I'm traveling as a stand-up. So she would say uh, that she was going to kill herself, you know, and I know how to deal with that. And she did it to torture me, I'm pretty sure. Because she never did come through, which would have kind of, you know, when somebody says they're going to kill themselves, you, you go like, oh, my God, don't. Please, let's talk at first, you know. And then eventually you're like, hey, this would actually solve a lot of problems for me. You know, just do it down the hall. But, but she, you know, I said, look, I don't know how to deal. I'm not a suicide hotline. I go, if you keep talking about this, I'm going to have to call the police. And she goes, if you call the police, I'll tell them you were hitting me and you'll go to jail. So, you know, where do you go from there? Right. Um, there are people devious enough, I guess is the point to lie to the cops.
3: It happens a lot. Then you have to sort through the bullshit and try and figure out what happened.
0: Um, Tough it, for a detective, I'm sure, you know? it is. It's, it's you've got to make a spot decision. Well,
3: I <clears throat> when I was a patrol sergeant, if I showed up to a job and it looked like somebody had been hit, somebody was getting arrested. End of story, yeah, as a police officer, you have sanctions upon you where if you don't take action, you know you, you, you could be arrested, you you lose your pension, you lose your job,
0: really. But you don't oh, have yeah. it. But you've got no special relationship, which is what happened with Joe Lozito, the Subway Hero. You know, when when Maxim Gelman was attacking him, and the cops didn't step in until the whole fight was over with. Uh, but that was a little bit of a different situation. Yeah, I guess so. Um, that's
3: well, two people yeah, that don't know
0: each other. They weren't dating or nothing. They weren't
3: dating, um, but we, still aren't, to, to my knowledge. We would show up at apartments, and it was obvious somebody, you know, and if they. Had, both start making allegations. They're hitting each other. You know, okay. The easy solution is we'll lock both ears up. That'd be good. Let the judge and the courts make a decision. That's a great policy. I am not going to let myself be put in that position. I'm not going to let the police officers that I supervise be put in that position. Mm. I'm not going to stand here, and I'm not going to stand here and listen to your bullshit all night either.
0: She sits on computer all day.
3: Tick, well, tick, tick. that guy was, that was a, <laughs> that was a good one. Um, I actually had a lot of respect for that guy. And that was a guy that did not raise his hands to his wife.
0: No, he did not. He threw something out the window. and My
3: apartment, my computer, I throw a fucking computer out the window. And
0: you can't arrest me.
3: She sit there all day. Tick, tick, tick,
0: tick, tick, tick. On computer, And now you're thinking it over, right? Trying to figure it out. I
3: work two fucking jobs. So she sit on computer to go tick, 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 tick with her boyfriend. Mm. My computer, my window. I throw it out the window. Fuck you.
0: Uh-huh. Which,
3: you know, I I could see his
0: line of reasoning. Yeah, he threw it and, into a place where there was, no, it was a courtyard. It was locked. Nobody else could be and there. And when
3: she realized that she had lost the power in this situation, she goes... He has gun in closet, <laughs> and um, uh, yo Ivan, uh, he goes, yeah, hey, gun in closet, and this guy didn't give a
0: fuck. Lock me up, no big deal. Yeah, he's ready at this point. He's I, ready. It's, it's it's it can happen in in the context of a marriage, especially if she's going tick 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 all day with her boyfriend on computer on his computer. I. Pay for
3: I pay for fucking AOL so she can sit on computer and go tick, 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 tick all day to boyfriend.
0: Are they still sending out those AOL CDs? I bet you they are somewhere.
3: I'm sure if I look at my house, there's a CD somewhere that gives me 500 free hours of <laughs> AOL.
0: Now, we're going to talk about some shit that is really, truly uh, just absurd, astonishing photos show the moment An FBI vehicle rolled down a quiet Queen Street to take a suspected Proud Boy. A suspected Proud Boy. He's a a suspected Proud Boy, even. He's suspected of being a Proud Boy into custody after he allegedly threatened to send an armed caravan to the U.S. Capitol. Now, they're obviously, boy, they're really cracking down on these horrible lawbreakers that they had there now uh, I, I don't know exactly what this uh, caravan of violence it is that he threatened I'm, I'm not really sure I doubt that it's very extreme they didn't quote any of it I don't know where these threats came from if it was by uh, Twitter or what uh, it, it's it, it all well, seems I very dubious
3: he was arrested he was not charged with any sort of aggravated harassment or making threats over the internet yet.
0: Yeah. That doesn't mean it won't happen down the line. Doesn't it kind of make it a process crime at that point, almost? I mean, when they go in to arrest you for some shit like that, but then they find, what, oh. ammunition?
3: Well, he's a prior, he has a prior conviction, a uh, gun conviction.
0: Which is what makes the ammunition illegal, but yeah. I mean, that's basically, still not what they're there for.
3: Basically, what they got out of here so far is 1,000 rounds of ammunition. He had 1,000 rounds. Which... That's a lot. Um,
0: not I mean, in my house. No, I, I maybe mean, not. You know, maybe I, not. Um,
3: I, you know, I have a lot of ammunition. That you know, they give they give you extra ammunition at the range when you leave. Yeah, and. This stuff piles up. I happen to be a police officer or was a police officer, so yeah, this look, stuff piles up. Yeah,
0: at the Proud Boy uh, shooting range, there they're very thrifty with the ammo. So, uh,
3: well, but in this particular case, you got this guy
0: um, named uh, Edward uh, Edward Floria. Yeah, Edward sounds like he's a mouth breather, um, a bit of a dope. He, I was looking, and I don't know if I have the right Edward Floria. It could be a different guy there's another there, there, he, he, there's a guy who's a great teacher named Edward Floria. and it might be him in the New York City area I'm not sure what this I guy does don't think I've so. never met him I uh you know I I know a lot of proud boys and but
3: yeah before but I read on this one it was this was a guy who was a wannabe and
0: uh, mm. he he's, he's not- a suspected brown boy yeah
3: yes and
0: you know we, he sounds like a bit of a I don't know. There's it, some. There's some dumb tards out there who want to, you know, uh, well, glom onto something like that. I guess you should not be sending out threats period but I mean a lot of things can be interpreted these days I mean 70,000 people got thrown off Twitter over the weekend for Christ's sake or over over the week a couple of days it's a lot and and I think that they're kind of uh, that's just the opening salvo yeah so I, I can't really say that this is that this is necessarily something that he earned but getting the FBI involved I mean now you have like they're enforcing like uh, what should be a Twitter ban well, maybe but, but or something
3: here's, here's the
0: it shouldn't even be that. Here's the ridiculous part of this whole thing. I then mean, again, I don't know what he
3: said. On top of these massive armies that we have laying all over, you know, like with people amping up the danger is coming, you know, attacks, this and that, and all the drama and right. nonsense.
0: People beating the drum. This guy, who's, like I said, I gather he's a bit of a knucklehead. I, no, yeah. how do you get that? Just because of the, the, that he made threats? Yeah,
3: just the way, just the, the threats that he made and the way he made them. I'm like, you know, Bro. Like lighten up, Francis. And now here they are. They send a. Uh,
0: the New York Post called it a tank. Yeah, it, um, it looks like a tank. It's an armored vehicle.
3: Yeah, that was it. You know, depending on which media source you listen to, well, may, was,
0: may, may I point out the the, uh, the the headline in the post story says tank, and tank is not mentioned in the story. So yeah, they, they they apparently know the difference too. Yeah, if you listen to
3: CNN, it's like in. F-16, Nimitz Carrier, B-52.
0: And they needed it because, God, you FBI, don't know what, what's going to happen, for Christ's sake. FBI Abrams nuclear-powered tank. It's way more than was required. It's just like they did for Roger Stone. It, it says in the pictures shot by a stunned neighbor, a law enforcement agent can be seen emerging from the armored vehicle's hatch with what appears to be an assault weapon, a tactical weapon, we'll call it, uh, in Middle Village when the FBI showed up to arrest Edward Floria, I thought this is like TV, like news clips, not like real life. And I would have to agree. It sounds like some bullshit. I
3: think it's a bunch of carrot snappers, um, personally. I look at it this way. We've dealt with people that have done these kind of things before that have made threats. You know what? You, uh, maybe two detectives, three, you go there, you knock on the door and say, yo, numb
0: nuts. let's go. All right? Yeah. I mean, the guy didn't put up a fight or anything. No, he Peaceful didn't. People. Not
3: at all. Not at all. But the, the vehicle... In, that we're discussing here, it's a bearcat. It's an armored vehicle. It's pretty standard. The NYPD has them. The difference being is the NYPD takes them out like when we really think we might need them. Yeah. I don't know what the FBI thought was coming out of that house uh, that you would need this, you know. Uh, plus, you got a couple of dozen guys out there with heavy gear and rifles and, you know. And it, it, it becomes a media thing and it's... It, should he have done that? Absolutely not. It was a stupid stupid
0: thing to do. Yeah, well, we don't do know I don't know, know what go, he said. Oh, I'm not going to quite say that, but I I mean, well, he, 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 I don't know what he said. I I don't think they need that much these days. Uh, to well, do no, this shit.
3: is listen, this is where we got to make a distinction. Uh-huh. What he did was one thing. Yeah. Do you need to send an army
0: to oh. go lock this guy up? No, of course not. No, not at
3: all. But you know what? It plays right into the hysteria that's being amped up around the country.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little FBI and and social media and and legacy media cooperation. All well, I mean, they're all working hand in I glove. I haven't seen
3: an FBI investigation since like they found a hanging noose
0: in oh in, right in, in, in the, the garage, yeah, the NASCAR garage. Yeah,
3: you know th- I mean, this is you know here you are you're, 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 wrap, you're locking up this this massive nationwide investigation going on to people who, 90% of whom committed the crime of criminal trespass
0: yeah right uh, yeah
3: a huge majority of these people were rubes that just walked in there followed the crowd in and like ooh we're it's funny
0: yeah they're not arresting so many of the instigators and the uh, military trained you know Antifa type motherfuckers who were there I think that oh, there was I'm a gonna, certain amount of them
3: listen there were people in there that We've been dancing around, but, you know, uh, I think they They probably some type of ex-intel type people. They didn't I don't know who they are, but I think you have some ex-intel types that organize one of those teams to go in there, or two. Yeah. Well, you know. But that being said, do you need need this tactical vehicle rolling down the street in quiet Middle Village, Queens, New York?
0: Just trying to. No, you don't. Yeah. Go to the guy. And the only thing got out had there was his knife collection. He marched out with his hands up. There was no yelling, no loud talking, just one voice telling me, go inside and close the door. Then you heard that over and over because the neighbors were coming out and asking, what the hell is going on? He oh, said Floria's family was quiet. They never gave any indication he was a, a, a affiliated with the Proud Boys. Well, yeah, no, why would he? You know what makes me laugh? You have a lot of cops in and I mean, it's tough to live in that
3: neighborhood. And I'm, I'm sure there was probably one or two required retired cops that came out on the end porch and saw that going on and said, the fuck is wrong with you guys? You know,
0: really. I suppose their justification is in 2014 he was busted, it says, with a cache of weapons. Now, I don't know what that means. That could mean any multiple of guns. I doubt it was when they say cache of weapons, you see, I don't know what you see. I immediately see a wooden crate with some sort of packing material and dozens of of semi-automatic rifles. From the Acme company. Exactly. (laughs) And that's not Coyote got his stuff. It's likely not what we're dealing with.
3: The prudent thing to do, Okay, you know this guy's history. He has gun collars. Okay. You go there. You should always... You want to go with tactical surprise. I understand that. Uh Um, You want to get teams in front. If you think that this guy's going to be a serious problem, I can understand going with the necessary resources. Why not? Safety is always paramount. You don't want any of you people to get hurt. Okay? wear the proper equipment. You make sure you have the... uh, proper amount of people there to cover the front and the back many times you know you get the people there and i'm sure it's probably this case here somebody just called the house and says listen uh come on out hands up you're getting arrested that's it and i i don't know i mean i'm sure there are other people in law enforcement that will disagree with me maybe it's because me i had an impoverished career in the NYPD. Um, you know, uh, we didn't have access to tactical vehicles, long rifles. For the most part, we didn't even have the heavy body armor. And the flip side is that when I was a young detective, it would be a couple of us would get in a seven-year-old Chevy with no air conditioning, Mm -hmm. go down the street, go to some guy's house and lock him up for murder. And that was like a, a daily occurrence. Yeah. And no drama, no, you know, and if the situation developed, we got backup in there because
0: this wasn't a political thing
3: or, or maybe it's just me like i said my make do with what you got yeah well i mean i, 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 up, I would tell my guys let's go i'm all for
0: the cops having you know like you said so, oh am I, and they get that shit for free so when they talk about defund the police look at all this shit they buy they get this stuff from the military it's it's you know it's it's just the way it goes they get this stuff you know, for no money, and and, and I have absolutely. Why should no, they not? No problem with getting this
3: stuff because a lot of this stuff just sits around anyway. People get twisted when they see the MRAPS, the mine-resistant uh, vehicles, heavy-armored vehicles.
0: Yeah, and then when they see, in this case, six well, the, guys jumping the, out in fatigues and machine guns for an aggravated harassment. Okay, yeah,
3: but, but you know. And a lot of this stuff has
0: been shipped out to various police departments. But you know what? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but they don't get twisted about it in the, when they're arresting one of these dangerous brown boys. You haven't heard anybody say anything about militarization of the police. That has not no, been part of the not conversation. At all. Not That's at all. what they say when it's a different sort of a person that they are. You know, taking not at care all.
3: Of. But you know, for all the pissing and the moaning that went on over the summer, these armored up vehicles were necessary. They were useful. You look in the different places where we had riots this summer. A lot of shots being fired. Sure, officers had to move around. Yeah, I, I, you know, that would have been like one of my dream jobs. I think, in the, if I could, had been in the Trump administration, the uh, disperser of former military equipment. I would pass this stuff out everywhere. Yeah, as long as they have the resources to keep that vehicle maintained, running. And the proper training, because these are not always the easiest things. You just don't hop in them and drive around either. And I believe they get that training from the military. But if the people are trained, the vehicle maintained, you can issue these things to different counties and stuff and maybe cover a few counties. When you don't have this stuff, it really sucks when you need it. Yeah. So you can use this stuff for a host of
0: reasons. I mean, who do you want to have it? I don't understand. Like, what do you... What point is there to them not having it? Like, you should not have that because, like... I'm a if, firm believer. We want the cops to look friendly. We want them to look like... Uh, why, why can't they just That's be... That's not their job. No, it, not at all. And as as times get weirder and weirder shit's happening and more sh- shoot mass shootings happen and, like, uh, crime's going up and you're changing the law to make it hard for them. You have... They need equipment, for Christ's sake. Like
3: I said, the long guns, all this stuff, You have body armor. Disperse it. These are... These are people, for the most part, know what they're doing. They know how to use this stuff. They're trained on it. I don't see a problem with it. You know, I I have to look askew. Look askance at these people. Askance when I see a bear cat rolling down 75th Street, Middle Village, and, you know, oh, look at us.
0: Yeah. We are making a big show of this arrest. There's no way this won't be reported. This is going to be a big story. And look at the force we're using. That's how serious this is. Every FBI
3: office in the United States is currently being utilized for this. I wish they would have used every office in the United States, like with the Hunter
0: Biden's laptop. um, Sure. Yeah, that was, that's, that's much more, you know, that's high level federal you shit. Know, that's
3: what the FBI is for.
0: Yeah. So, well, then we have a very politicized by, intelligence community, which yeah, I don't know.
3: At the end of the day, it's just, I look at it and I'm like, all right, you, you, you put a big show on. Did you see the final paragraph in there? The final paragraph? Uh, about in this his FBI, wife, sorry. Who's in the process of divorcing him now? Oh, are you kidding me? She said she's going to ask for a divorce and she's going to sue President Trump and the United States government for $2 million. She's gonna sue. She's gonna sue. I think her
0: feelings were hurt. Authorities of probing his connection to a far right group. Uh, Proud Boys are not a far right group, by the way. I mean, they're just like a they're they're what you call a fraternal group, a fraternal organization that drinks beer, hangs out. That's what they do. They they talk like uh, like guys talk. They hang out like guys hang out. They they have black people. They have gay people. They have uh, you know they they've got one of everything. So I'm not seeing that okay. part of it. there must have been a different, uh, a different iteration of this. I thought it was this. in that
3: particular article, but yeah, that was a close out on the whole thing. She's going to divorce him because of I'm going
0: of to sue. And sue
3: Trump? What? She's suing Trump because she thinks he she let her husband go wow.
0: road to perdition. Well, come now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, she, he <laughs> The man got red-pilled, and we got to blame Trump for that. That's crazy. I've never heard of somebody... Having such a fucking a sense of entitlement that they think that the the guy that he voted for needs to, needs to uh, pay up, you know, because uh, fucking him up. This is a different world we're living in now. Now, I want to just before we go live on an uplifting story. A wealthy eighty nine year old artificial sweetener magnate, the man who made sweet and low a household name, he uh, has committed suicide by leaping from his Park Avenue apartment building. I leap. I mean, you know. I, I don't know how, how hard he leapt at 89. It uh, was probably a, a modified fall out the window. Uh, it was it was a first-floor window, too. We killed him. <laughs> 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 uh, fall of any sort for an 89-year-old guy. Pretty dangerous. It was 11th floor, actually. Donald Tober is his name, CEO... Co-owner of New York-based 1,400-employee uh, Sugar Foods just sweet. after f- just after five a.m. Friday. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, it was a sweet life with a bitter aftertaste, wasn't it? I wonder if they'll put him in a nice pink casket and lay him down. Uh, that that you know that shit, sweet and low in the '90s. It, it, they were in 80 percent of, of of the restaurants. This stuff is uh, ubiquitous. By the mid-90s, it says food service establishment, 80% of them had sweet and low, uh, and uh, and they they commanded more than 80% of the sugar substitute market. And this is largely due, almost completely, from what I understand, to this guy right here, Daniel Tober. It looks like he leaves his lovely wife behind. Uh, They uh, obviously had a lot of money at this point, had done very well, and uh, he was struggling with Parkinson's. So I think he probably just made a call, right? It's like, you know what? I'm starting to get a little too shaky to live. And uh, you know, 89, for Christ's sake. Good you know, run. A lot of 89-year-old suicides. There's not that many. Uh, it seems like uh, one of those uh, Kevorkian kind of things. You know, a lot of times a helium bag and shit like that.
3: The sad thing is, here's a guy, active, vibrant life, well-liked, uh, very charitable guy. Um, he's helped a lot of
0: people over the years. Yeah, we, he's founder of the city Meals on Wheels. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yeah.
3: And... You know, it's unfortunate um, in that I think what happens with somebody's old time, you know, like my father got sick in 2015. He had a stroke. Up until that year, he was a physically vibrant guy. Yeah. He was out every day, driving around the neighborhood. He would hang out with his buddies in the gas station, go get lunch. And he had a stroke. And... What I saw was that once he was robbed of that ability to get around, to be mobile, to be, you know, just to do his thing. Yeah. I think the psychological toll was worse than the physical toll. I see. And you see, the, the, the decline started in him. And um, and then it's rapid. Yeah. Because yeah. the will isn't there anymore. And these are these are some tough old bastards. My old man was tough. Yeah. I mean, old school tough.
0: Right. And um, that's a powerful drive—the will to live, the will to get around. You know the the spirit he was uh, that was animated in him. It was uh, and 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 all that and apparently you know it was pretty big. And like you take that away, you're taking away you're the guy's at, identity.
3: You're looking at a man like Mister. Toby here. All right. Mm-hmm. This guy was a force to be reckoned with.
0: Um, well, yeah, you know, and he he gave no indication. Uh, you know the uh, witness here, uh, Steve Odell. He's the president of. Uh, uh, sugar foods, and he said that you know what he was fighting a devastating disease. He says still a shock. I talked to him yesterday, and certainly no, there was no indication whatsoever. No, and often in cases like this, these guys have made up their mind.
3: When they do make up their mind that they're going to do it, it sometimes brings them a sense of peace and comfort, you oh, know, and yeah. uh, they don't want to be a burden anybody. Not that he's a like a finance. I'm sure he had the best help you could possibly. Yeah,
0: one as good as against. At the end of the day, he still has Parkinson's. Yeah, I mean, eighty nine death is you know around the corner at best. It, and yes. it really is. Donald left us with eight words, and we live them every day. The first two words are "be prepared," which is the Boy Scout motto. The second are "show up." Okay, we got four left. The third two words are "on time," and the last two are "follow through." So, if you put all those together, "be prepared," "show up," "on time." Follow through. He did that every day, all day through his career. You know what? He wound up pretty wealthy. It's maybe something to consider, something to think about. You're right, though, about this. You know, like we had a waiter at Dangerfield's Comedy Club. You know, and I, I was working there for well over ten years. Uh, he's been there, had been there since 1969, when the club opened, and you know, through then, uh, 70 maybe. So you know, we're looking at fifty years in 2020 when the COVID hit. The club was closed, you know, and that that went on for like two weeks. Chario was still showing up. Charia was an old guy from Cyprus, you know, smoked like a chimney, and uh, you know, played the stock market. You know, and it's always telling jokes. He sounded a little like Count jo- uh, Count Count Dracula telling you jokes. You know, these two uh, these two guys uh, in a bar, you know, whatever. And he would make up jokes. He had all da- you know, Dangerfield used to perform there. Dangerfield told him, you know, Chario, look after everything, okay? Take care of it. You know, they were close uh, enough. Chario would get on stage at the end of the night sometimes, you know, and he would do his act and he would just kill, you know, because it was jokes. Anyway, two weeks into COVID, drop dead, you know, no reason to go on anymore. The place that he worked is gone. He lost his sense of purpose. purpose mm-hmm. He lost his mission. Yeah. Which was to get away from his wife for a couple of hours a night, maybe. I don't know. I,
3: I, think about what you're saying there. That's a 50-year track record. Yeah, of being in the same place every day, on time, showing up,
0: and it's gone. Yeah, it goes to show sense of purpose it doesn't always have to be a lofty position. As a CEO, the guy waited tables, and that was what he did. You know, and he did it. And he liked it. He's apparently, yeah. Apparently, he was rather connected to it. On the next episode of this show, we're going to talk about this uh, cannibal business here. You know, and I, I think we have an interview with the we. We're going to talk about a little bit of this army hammer business, just because it's. Uh, they made a New York City connection by, by interviewing uh, Gil Valley. Maybe I could talk to Gil Valley about this. You know, he's he's rather he's the cannibal author now. You know, I mean, his books uh, they're all being. I think he has. Uh, two screenplays in production, and uh, he's doing very well, you know, because he's taken all that uh, stuff he used to do with the messaging and on these, you know, weird websites, and and he's he's turned his dark side into into dollar signs. So I, I have to say I'm very impressed with him because he spent a lot of time thinking he may be locked up for life without parole for messaging, and, and they call that conspiracy. I, I was about to get more graphic with it, but the hell with it. Nobody's listening at this point I, I anyway. just have
3: a question. Is he doing a cookbook? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pete Panuccio, thank you for being here as always. We Glad are to be here, sir. Honored to have you, and thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Some days I wake up and I think, oh, comedy's dead.
2: Child Is my, child. Child, it's my child safe. My child safe. My child safe. My child. Is it over? Over? Over?